God is absolutely holy and has unlimited power. And what that means in context is that he has both the power and the right to intervene in human history and return his creation, which is his and his alone, to its state of righteousness. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Flashes of lightning, a diamond-like radiance, refracting the colors of the rainbow, peals of rolling thunder. Well, those are just a few of the sights and sounds described in Revelation of the very throne room of God. But is there more to heaven than that? Hi, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom has part three of his series titled, He is Worthy. Revelation chapters four and five present the most detailed vision of heaven in scripture. Today, Tom will examine how the text describes the very throne of God, what sights and sounds surround it, and how these remarkable sights and sounds reveal truths about who God is and what you should expect heaven to be like. Keep all that in mind as we join Tom now on The Word Unleashed. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Revelation as we continue to make our way through this magnificent book. It's just, it's been good already and it's getting better. We're looking forward to see how all of this continues to unfold as we have gone now from earth to heaven in Revelation chapter 4. Let me read it for us as we begin our study. You follow along in your copy of God's Word, Revelation chapter 4. After these things I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 really begin the heart of this book. The great lesson of these two chapters together is this, God is infinitely worthy to sit on the universe's throne and to judge its treasonous rebellion against Him, and He will delegate that judgment to His only Son. These chapters are not merely stuck here to give us a view of heaven, rather they are a prelude to the judgments that God will unleash on the earth during the great tribulation. Just to remind you of the overview of these two chapters, in chapter 4, we have the scene in heaven, the Father and the throne. In chapter 5, we have the search in heaven, the Lamb and the book. Now, last time we started, and tonight I want us to finish our study of chapter 4, the scene in heaven, the Father, and the throne. It begins in verses 1 and 2 with the apostles' invitation to God's throne. Notice verse 1, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, this is Jesus Christ, said, come up here. So in this vision that John received on the island of Patmos, Jesus Christ ordered him to come up to heaven in his vision. The reason, verse 1 goes on to say, and I will show you what must take place after these things. That introduces the third and and great last division of this book. You remember back in chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus told John, I want you to write the things which you have seen, the vision of chapter 1, the things which are the churches in chapters 2 and 3, and the things which will take place after these things, chapters 4 through 22. In these chapters, we transition from the church age to the events during and after the tribulation. So that's the invitation to God's throne. Last time, we also saw the startling revelation of God's throne. It begins with a sight of the throne of God itself. Verse 2 says, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven. And then there's a view of the person of God and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. John's vision of heaven's throne and the one who occupies it, as we noted last time, is a picture of the the blazing brilliance of a diamond reflecting the colors of the rainbow and that of a blood-red stone, the sardius. It's a picture of God's glory for sure, but as we noted, it's also a reminder of the fire of His looming wrath. Then we considered the magnificent setting around God's throne beginning in the middle of verse 8 and running down, or verse 3 rather, and running down through verse 8, the magnificent setting around God's throne. Around the throne of God, John saw several things. First of all, he saw an emerald rainbow. Verse 3 says, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. As we noted, this is a reminder. The rainbow is always a reminder of the fact that God brings judgment, but in that judgment, He always honors His covenant promise. He's always faithful to preserve and protect His own. And it's a reminder that God's wrath will never come at the expense of His promises and His covenant faithfulness. 
Secondly, around the throne, John saw 24 elders. Verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now, last time I gave you several arguments for the fact that these 24 elders are not an an order of angelic beings, as some would argue, but rather represent believers, probably all believers, Old and New Testament, 12 representing the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel and true believers in Israel, and 12 representing the 12 apostles and the New Testament church. There are references to both of these later in the book, as we noted. Now, that's where we left off last time. So we're still looking at what's surrounding the throne of God in heaven. And thirdly, he saw thunder, sounds, and lightning. Verse 5 says, out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. Now, the fact that these come out from the throne imply that these majestic sounds proceed from God himself. When these descriptions, thunder, lightning, and sounds are used together in the Old Testament, the word sounds most often refers to the roar of a storm. We understand that here in North Texas. You not only have in the midst of the storms that come the the thunder and the lightning, but there is the roar of the storm itself, and that's likely what this expression sounds refers to. These expressions or displays were accompanying the presence of God at Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19, verse 16, it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. So these things accompanied the presence of God. In the Old Testament, if you chase thunder and lightning and, and God's presence together, you will find that they most often represent God's glory. But at times, they also imply His judgment. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 1. There's a lot of crossover between the first chapter of Ezekiel and these two chapters in Revelation, because here we see a vision of God as well. And notice in Ezekiel 1.4, Ezekiel, as I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it, and in its midst, midst, something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. And then you have the, the, the war chariot, the war throne of God and the appearance of God Himself on it. Go down to verse 13, in the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright, and lightning was flashing from the fire. Verse 24, I also heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of abundant waters as they went. There's the, there's the roar, like the voice of the Almighty, the sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. So you see that as in Ezekiel 1, as God prepares to judge His people, His presence is accompanied by these, the sound of a storm with lightning and thunder. The same thing is true when you look at the book of Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 8 
Revelation chapter 8, here in this book, the same displays imply God's displeasure and his judgment. Look at chapter 8, verse 5. This comes with the seventh seal. The angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So you see these, these displays tend to come along with God's judgment. Look at chapter 11, verse 19. This is with the seventh trumpet. It says, the angel of, or excuse me, the temple of God which is in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Go over to chapter 16, verse 18. This is with the seventh bowl judgment. There were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. And so when you go back then to chapter 4, remember this is a prelude to what's coming in the great tribulation. This thunder and lightning and the roaring of a storm give a vivid notice to John and to all who witness it, that God's wrath is coming. It's looming on the horizon. The fourth thing that he saw around the throne of God was seven torches, verse 5, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Now, you remember back in Revelation chapter 1, there were lampstands that held clay or metal lamps filled with olive oil with a wick in them, the traditional lamp that you think of, and these stands were to support them, hold them up inside the house. That's not the word used here. This word for lamps refers to torches that are used outdoors. Typically, they were wooden clubs with cloth wound around one end and then soaked in something like pitch or resin. And you'll notice these torches were burning. They were They were blazing with fire. What's the significance of these torches? Well, he tells us here, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, don't be confused by that expression. Most often in the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit is referred to as one person. For example, in chapter 3, verse 6, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, singular, says to the churches. So the Holy Spirit is one. But there are other times when the Spirit is referred to as the seven spirits. We saw that even back in chapter 3, verse 1. We see it here. We'll see it in chapter 5, verse 6. And here, seven lamps of fire pointing to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to as seven spirits, likely, as we noted in chapter 1, referring to Zechariah 4, 1 to 10, where you have the menorah, the lampstand with seven lamps. And those would have been massive, a massive candelabra with massive flames. It's interesting as well, throughout this book, we'll see it as it unfolds, fire symbolizes God's judgment, His wrath, and I think that's likely true here as well. The Spirit is presented as seven torches to remind us again this overwhelming picture, this this looming sense that God, as patient as He is, has had enough. 
and men's, man's rebellion is going to come to an end. So the Spirit is represented as these torches. You know, when I think about that, I'm reminded that the Holy Spirit who comforts God's people is a raging fire that consumes God's enemies. Fifthly, he saw a sea of glass. Verse 6, and before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Now, it's clear in this passage that John the Apostle struggles to describe what he saw. He keeps saying like this and like that and the appearance of this and the appearance of that. It's because it's, it's not those things, but he's trying desperately to connect us who are earthbound to what he saw in heaven. And so he's using images that connect us to that. And here, as he looks, stretching out in front of God's throne was something that reminded him of a sea made of glass. And this sea of glass sparkled like crystal. We've seen this before in Exodus 24.10. It says, the elders of Israel saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. In Ezekiel 1.22, over the heads of the living beings there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal spread out over their heads. The sea of glass obviously adds to the, the sense of awesome majesty of the scene around God himself. Think of, again about God as this blazing, brilliant light, undimmed and undimming, the light that shines forth through this massive diamond-like appearance and the sardius stone and now a sea of glass like crystal, and you can just imagine the colors reflecting and refracting around heaven. I think the fact that the sea is as calm as glass seems to imply the calmness around God. As we'll see, things on earth are not so calm. They're not calm now, but they'll be a lot less calm in the future. And in the presence of God, there's nothing but calm. Why? Because he's in control of all things. It's interesting, if you look at chapter 15, verse 2, you'll find this sea of glass is mixed with fire, again, implying divine judgment. It's a picture of God, isn't it? I mean, when you, when you study the person of God in the Old Testament, again and again, how does he describe himself? I am great, gracious, compassionate, and then what? slow to anger. Notice God does not say, I never, ever get angry. He says, I am slow to anger. And as I've shared with you before, I love the picture of that in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the text literally says, God is long of nose. It takes God a long time to get hot. But when he does, that's what you have in the book of Revelation. God is done with mankind's rebellion. And you see it in these images and in this picture. Next, around the throne of God, we meet in verses 6, and, six through 8, four living ones. Four living ones. Now, let's study these a little more in detail because the Apostle John does. Let's begin by considering where they are, verse 6 says, and in the center and around the throne. Literally, the Greek text says, in the middle of the throne and surrounding the throne. 
in the middle implies that they are intimately connected to the throne of God. And around the throne literally means encircling or surrounding. So these majestic beings apparently form the inner circle around God's throne. So you can picture the throne of God sitting in the middle of heaven and around it these majestic beings. The next thing we need to consider is what they are. It simply says in our text, four living creatures. Literally, the text says four living ones, four living ones. So what exactly are these living ones? Well, throughout church history, there have been some some interesting, even bizarre explanations of, of who or what these four living ones are. Some of the early church fathers said these, and this takes a lot of imagination, said these were the four New Testament gospels. For example, Irenaeus said the human face represented Matthew, the eagle Mark, the ox Luke, and the lion John. That's creative. Um, Others have suggested that these represent the four banners or standards of Israel. Some have said they stand for the attributes of God or others for the four main apostles. One particularly bizarre view says that they represent the four points of the zodiac. Yeah, my reaction exactly. What is clear as this story unfolds is that these are an exalted order of angels. And you'll see that in a number of different ways. But the question is exactly what are these beings? Well, there are only three possibilities, and let me just give them to you. First of all, they may be the seraphim of Isaiah 6. There are points of similarity. They are near the throne, as they are in Isaiah 6. They have six wings, as in Isaiah 6, and they praise God's holiness, as in Isaiah 6.3. So there are points of similarity. Another possibility is that they are the cherubim in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10. There are similarities here as well. For example, again, they are near the throne. They are called living beings, and so are the ones in Ezekiel 1.5. There are four of them, as in Ezekiel, and there are the faces of a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle in Ezekiel 1.10. So some say these are the seraphim. Others say, no, these are the cherubim. But there are some significant differences between Revelation and Ezekiel. And I didn't make this, I didn't make a slide for this. You'll just have to listen to me here. But let me just run through these. In Ezekiel, each of the beings has, each of the beings have all four faces or has all four faces. In Revelation, each has one face. In Ezekiel, the cherubim have only four wings. In Revelation, each has six wings. In Ezekiel, the wheels are full of eyes. In Revelation, the beings are full of eyes. In Ezekiel, the beings have wheels, kind of like gyroscopes. In Revelation, there are no wheels mentioned. In Ezekiel, the throne is above the cherubim. In Revelation, these creatures surround the throne. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part three of his series, He is Worthy. 
Tom will bring you part four next time, and we hope you'll join us then. But Tom, why is it so important for believers to have a proper understanding of the activity of heaven? It's absolutely vital for two crucial reasons. First of all, because it helps shape and frame our thinking about God. It is essential for us to understand just how awesome God really is, that he is totally worthy of our praise, our loyalty, our obedience now and forever. And it's also important because it helps us understand what we'll be doing forever in the Lord's presence. We will be at rest in terms of our relationship to God. Our souls will be resting in the righteousness of Christ, but we will be busy, busy worshiping, busy serving God in the ways that he has prescribed for us. And we can get a glimpse of that in this amazing view of heaven that we're seeing together. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't reached out before, or if you're a first-time listener, we'd like to send you Tom's book, Jesus' High View of Scripture, free of charge. Just subscribe to The Word Unleashed on our website, and we'll mail you a free copy of Tom's book. And don't forget to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.